So, you know, and I've got a lot to say, too, especially about testicles. Well, okay. Get those headphones on, right? Suddenly I'm excited. (laughs) Where the (laughs) hell does testicles fall into sleep? (laughs) Just you wait. Mine have never fallen asleep. Let's get that on the record. (laughs) At least not that I know of. a special isolation edition of Eat This with Leanne. Here's Leanne Philipson. Do you wake up excited when you slept through the night? Or maybe you get your rush from thinking that you're able to function on four hours a night. Countless times I've heard it said that you can sleep when you're dead. So you carry on partying, drinking, staying up late and living but according to experts, that's rather of an unwise thing to do. What I've dug up about sleep for this episode might show you that sleep, next to healthy eating, of course, is the best way to live a long and healthy life. Did you know that you're more susceptible to pain when you're sleep deprived? And maybe you may or may not have noticed that your healthy food choices go out the window when you're not sleeping well, when you don't get that deep, uninterrupted sleep. I've read that the fountain of youth comes from deep delta wave sleep. So that's what I'm going for with a side of support for my immunity and for all my loyal listeners who just want sleep, this is for you. Today on Eat This with Leanne, let's talk about your sleep. Listen up, men. Hello. Sleep expert Matt Walker started his TED Talk about sleep with testicles. Specifically. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know. I'm I'm, I'm a a man in my mid-40s, and the minute you said it, I started to giggle. I'm sorry. That's very unprofessional. (laughs) Continue on about your, uh, your testy talk. Go ahead. Testies, yes. What does this have to do with sleep? Well... He said specifically that men who sleep five hours a night have significantly smaller testicles than those who sleep seven hours a night or more. What? Yeah. And if four to five hours a night is what your usual sleep pattern is, you'll have testosterone of someone 10 years your senior. So a lack of sleep will age men by a decade. <laughs> yeah. What? Sorry. You, what? You, I, I you, nodded you, off there, Leanne. I'm sorry. I, I yeah. get I get an awful lot of sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and sometimes it's the men that keep the women up overnight, and sometimes it's the women that keep the men up <laughs> overnight. That I know. That's interesting. Yes. Cool. All right, but for us ladies, sadly, we don't get away scot free. Well. Our reproductive health suffers. And although I'm not about to be pregnant anytime soon, uh, actually, no, wait, like ever, (laughs) my my hormones remind me that I still have all my reproductive faculties and a lack of sleep shows up for me in my belly, my butt, and of course, those aging lines on my face. I suggest you go to bed and sleep it off. 
And that's only what's going on on the outside. While we could go down every rabbit hole of sleep and its importance for heart health, for weight loss, for memory, your mood, concentration, for learning, everyone in the family about learning, and your body's ability to heal. But today, because of what we're living through right now all over the world, I'm going to focus on the area of immunity. In a little bit, I'm going to speak with sleep expert Alana McGinn. She's going to share some of her wisdom, but first, you need to know this. If you heard in episode 14 that I called Bulletproof Your Immunity, I talked about that immune army and in particular, our natural killer or NK cells. Well, think of them as your secret service agents of your immune system. They do as they're called. They kill unwanted viruses, yes, bacteria, and even cancer cells. So these immune assassins, they're needed now more than ever. And know that studies show that from one night's sleep deprivation, I'm not talking a week or even a few nights in a row. Just one. But that one night when you only have a four-hour stretch showed a 70% reduction in immune cell activity. Wow. We got to get sleep. I know all you wanted to do was binge watch the rest of that series that you got sucked into, or you've got to get some report or some work done and you got to get it on time. Unfortunately, it's a really high price to pay when we don't get enough sleep. And I say we because, sure, there are nights when I stay up too late to get client notes finished off. Maybe I've got a bit more writing to do or finish off like a course that I'm creating. Researching for this episode has also been a kick in the pajama pants (laughs) that I needed to. Well, I guess I might as well go to work so I can get me some sleep. So I brought uh, Lana McGinn, a sleep expert, on today because, well, you know, she's the expert. And I thought it would be great to have someone talk about things that are not necessarily to do with the food aspect. But I'll be back after our interview so that we can go through all of that. So here today, we have Alana McGinn. Thank you so much for being here, Alana, to share your sleep expertise. Quickly tell the, my loyal listeners a little bit about yourself so that they know where you're coming from on this. Yes, thanks so much for having me. So uh, my name's Alana McGinn. Uh, my company is Good Night Sleep Site. So we are a family sleep consulting practice. So we work with babies to adults um, as sleep coaches and sleep consultants to help them sleep better. Um, I started this company over 12 years ago um, when my I was a first-time parent and uh, was struggling with sleep with my first daughter um, and now have grown the company. In the past six years, we have over 20 consultants, both in Canada and the U.S., uh, working with families families worldwide and uh, our website is goodnightsleepsite.com and I'm looking forward to talking about how to get adults sleeping better right yeah we're living in right now you know in this time of of COVID-19 you must have heard that sleep patterns are maybe more upset right now and also what's with the dreams 
crazy dreams. Our, our sleep is definitely uh, taking a hit right now, for sure, for, for different reasons. Um, you know, we're obviously seeing inconsistent sleep patterns. Our routines are kind of a little bit out the window now, I think, for all ages. Just, you know, we don't have to get up to go to work and hit that commute and get our kids off to school. And, um, you know, that is is definitely um, affecting our sleep and how, how we're falling asleep and waking up in the morning. Um, and the dreams, the dreams, more and more people, I can't tell you how many people are coming to me saying, you know, what is with the dreams? And they're so vivid. You know, I can remember it's like a, a movie while I'm sleeping. Um, and I think a big reason for that is there's two reasons typically why we t tend to see start having vivid dreams. One is sleep deprivation, which I feel is happening uh, nowadays. And I know we'll talk more about that um, throughout the, the episode. And um, the other is, is stress and anxiety. And, uh, you know, it makes sense with everything that, that we're going through now. So, um, you know, dreams tend to kind of tame down a little bit and stop at some point. Um, but it, it doesn't shock me that more people are experiencing them now for sure. So actually, I just read this tweet this morning from Arlene Dickinson, and she said, why can you be so very tired and then finally crawl into bed and suddenly be so awake? That's normally what we call, you know, a sign of sleep or sleep deprivation. So sleep debt. And we're in that now we're in that overtired zone. So it happens with our kids, right? Our kids are, um, they're tired or we're tired and we're not kind of hitting that proper bedtime when we, our body should be going to bed. And we get that, that adrenaline rush and that, um, almost like that second wind. Um, and now it's harder and harder to fall asleep. So it happens to adults as well. You know, we all tend to be so tired around, you know, maybe seven or eight o'clock at night. But I mean, realistically, he goes to bed at that time. No one. Yeah. Um, so when you're finally crawling into bed, um, your body has hit that second wind. And now that adrenaline is coursing through your body and boom, you're wide awake. So that could be definitely a reason. So uh, aside from right now with COVID everything going on, the chief complaint that I hear from my clients tends to be in three different camps. And you may have seen this with all of your clients. So, so there's those that have difficulty falling asleep. Mm -hmm. There's those that struggle to stay asleep all night long. Uh, they often wake up a few times during the night. And then there are those that wake up too early and they can't get back to sleep. Right. So can you share, um, you know, why is there such a difference and also give us some recommendations? Right. Well, I mean, in all honesty, there's, there's different situations, but the reasons why they're all happening could be the same. So, okay. You know, we might see, um, you know, once we get into adulthood and, and as we get older, there's a lot of age-related changes too. So as we're getting older, we're seeing kind of a change in our circadian rhythms. Our circadian rhythms is what drives our 24-hour clocks or our natural biological clock. And as we get older, we actually start needing less sleep. So that's when you might tend to see more fragmented sleep throughout the night. So more, you know, a harder time to fall back asleep if you wake up or early morning wakings, you know, waking up earlier and earlier. For women, there's those hormonal shifts, whether we're dealing with pregnancy, whether it's, um, you know, if we are getting our period or if we are getting older and kind of heading into those menopausal years, um, that can definitely be affecting our sleep. For men, there could be urinary issues. So as they're getting older, there's changes uh, within their prostate. So there's a lot of different changes that can happen um, to your body that can cause any of those sleep situations. Um, and then obviously, as we get older, you know, there's there's 
life situations that are going to give us more anxiety, more stress, whether it's work-related issues or, um, you know, if we're going through any kind of deaths in the family or friends or illnesses or uh, divorce, anything like that, any kind of major stresses or not major stresses, just any kind of situations um, can heighten that anxiety um, and that stress that can make it difficult to fall asleep, uh, to fall back to sleep, um, and also cause those early morning wakings as well. What are your recommendations for anyone listening who's in any any of those situations? Is it do you have specific recommendations or advice for people, you know, in those different camps? You know, we need to look at when adults are having sleep issues. We need to look. At, it's not. So I always say it's not as black and white as when we're having sleep issues with you know babies or children. Right. For adults, we need to look at are there health situations um, or health issues that might be going on that is causing uh, any kind of sleep issues. So things like, uh, like I said, hormonal changes, thyroid issues, um, sleep apnea, that is probably one of the leading uh, leading sleep disorders. So that's um, uh obstructed uh, breathing while you're sleeping, um, any kind of reflux issues or anything like that. Um, it's always worth if you are struggling with sleep long term. So when we're talking about insomnia, insomnia is either difficulty falling asleep, difficulty falling back asleep or both. And you can suffer from acute or chronic. So acute is situational. Likely all of us, myself included, have in some at some point in our life uh, for maybe more times than, than not suffered from uh, different bouts of insomnia. So, you know, you might not be sleeping well for a week or a couple of weeks. Chronic insomnia is when you've been struggling for months, three months or more, years even. You know, we work with right. clients who have had sleep issues for long periods of time. If that is the situation, it's worth having a conversation with your doctor to see if there's any tests or any kind of medical issue that is going on. Um, of course. A lot of the times it could be lifestyle changes too, and that's kind of where we come in in terms of are there any behavioral changes, lifestyle changes that we can take? So things like you know, promoting that conducive sleep environment. So if you are having a hard time falling back asleep or falling asleep in the beginning, um, are we darkening up the room as best we can? Are we, how is the, uh, the temperature in the room? You know, if our body is kind of busy regulating its heat, whether it's to be, to stay warm or to cool down, it's not able to focus on getting that restorative sleep. So um, the alarm clock is a big one. I know that sounds funny and I'm, I'm a I always talk about bringing the alarm clock back so that we're not using our phones as our alarm clocks, but we want to set it and turn it around because the biggest issue that we see happening with people who are getting up in the middle of the night and not able to fall back asleep is the clock watching and the clock countdown. And we've all done it, right? If I go to sleep now, I'll get four hours. If I go to sleep now, I'll get three hours. And that can add to that stress and that anxiety. So uh, we want to make sure that we're setting, setting the alarm and turning it around. So making sure that your environment is conducive to sleep. Also, you know, watch what you're drinking, what you're eating before you go to sleep. Um, making sure that we're staying away from big meals at least four hours before we go to bed. So again, our body's in biz busy trying to digest food. Um, it's It can be just, just busy on working on getting that quality of sleep. Um, we obviously want to be staying away from caffeine, staying away from sugars and things like that before we're going to bed. Um, if you are an individual who is suffering from insomnia or who's really struggling to either fall asleep or fall back to sleep, you want to avoid napping during the day. Um, we don't want to be kind of um, removing the sleep that we want to be getting at night and tacking it on during the day. So I know that that's hard because if you haven't had a good night's sleep, you're going to have more daytime fatigue. Um, but if to, in order to get back on track, you want to kind of keep the sleep only happening at night and not focusing on naps. 
If you are someone who sleeps pretty well, naps are always a question. Should I nap? Is it okay to nap? If you are someone who sleeps pretty well, then a nap is fine every now and then. But if you're someone who's really struggling with sleep, try and avoid those naps. So in this episode, I've already sort of teed up that I'm focusing more on immunity and want to really bring that um, to the forefront because it's so important right now. There's many rabbit holes to do with sleep um, of all aspects of the body from our memory to our mood to cardiovascular system to all of those kind of things. So can you give us a little bit of an idea of you know, if you say, you know, as an adult, it should be having 10 hours of sleep a night. I think that's probably on the outside. That might be in a slightly different age category. So is there a magic number? We talk about eight hours of sleep a lot, seven hours of sleep. Some people say, no, I just live on four and I'm fine. So is there something that, that you're aware of that's optimal for health? So, I mean, there's ranges for sure. I mean, for, I would say for toddlers to kids, you're looking at anywhere between 11 to 14, given, uh, depending on their age. So this is for the younger age group. Uh, when we're getting into teens, tweens, I'm still focusing on that nine to 10. So a little bit more than we would need as adults. Um, and then adults, you're looking at anywhere from seven to nine. Um, and then as we're getting into like 65 plus into senior years, you're looking at about seven to eight. So again, those are average ranges. Um, we all have our own personal basal sleep needs. So the amount of sleep that I might need to function at my best and to keep my immune system as functioning as it should be, is could be slightly different than yours. Right. Um, it's not to say if you're in that seven to nine age or range for sleep, then maybe you can function five on six, or maybe you need 10 hours of sleep. Um, what we want to avoid doing is, or what I tend to hear a lot is, like you said, I can function fine on four hours, or I can function five on five hours. And what can happen is your, your judgment of what your body needs can, can change. So I kind of equate it to drinking. The more you drink, your tolerance for alcohol increases, right? Mm. Um, with sleeping, the less you sleep and the more often you do it, your body begins to feel fine on those four or five hours of sleep. But what's going on inside could be telling you a different story. So if you're listening and you think you function fine on four to five, I'm here to tell you that's probably not the case. Um, and I always say just aim for that average. Aim for those seven to eight. That way you're kind of hitting all your markers. Um, and if you can do that consistently, at least 80% of the time, um, then you should be able to function at your best. Do you have a recommendation of what to do for those, um, you know, people that maybe wake up in the middle of the night mm -hmm. and if their clock's turned around and they're not clock watching and they're having a hard time going back to sleep. I know my 16 year old sometimes even has um, issues falling back to sleep. Are there ideas that people can, should they just stay there and lay there? Do you get up? Do you make tea? Do you... I'm sure you do not turn on a TV or look at your phone or do anything like that. But is there, yeah, any recommendations you have for that? Yeah, there are a few. And I love that you brought that up. So the one thing I would say is, you know, really focus on any kind of calming activity. So, um, you know, you might be an individual that's like, I don't want to learn how to meditate. And I, and I understand that. But, you know, any kind of mindful activities, mindful breathing activities, which are really easy to incorporate in your day to day. Um, while I'm always talking about avoiding tech and keeping tech out of the bedroom, um, there's a lot of tech that can actually help. And there's a lot of guided meditation and guided mindful um, activities that you can listen to in terms of apps and podcasts and things like that, that you might have to kind of pop on and help you. Um, but to answer your question before, 
we need to be sleeping 85% of the time that we are in bed. So if you are struggling to fall back asleep and you're tossing and you're turning and you're clock watching and you're doing all of that, it's okay to get out of bed. Try a calming activity, something, you know, like you said, don't turn on the TV, don't check your email, but so, you know, maybe read a couple chapters in an actual book, like a paperback novel, remember those, Um, and you know, read a couple chapters or read a chapter for about 10 or 15 minutes, Um, do a puzzle, do something that, again, something very calming and relaxing, and then get back into bed. And you might have to do that a few times throughout the night, in and out, in and out. Um, But what will start happening is you'll start falling asleep a lot faster when you're going in. um, And that's going to help kind of strengthen that association between sleep and bed so that each night it gets easier and easier to fall back asleep. Okay. So not the expectation to, okay, I'm doing everything that they said and now I'm going to sleep. Yeah, listen, it and, takes and then time. and then you don't. <laughs> That's right, and it takes it's it's changing habits. I mean, you know, with with yes. you know nutrition and food, it's not there is never an overnight fix. So if you've been struggling with sleep, or if suddenly you are struggling with sleep, you know it's it's changing habits. It takes twenty one days to change a habit. You know, so you got to yeah. give yourself time, your body time to to make that change. Don't be so yeah. hard on yourself. Yeah. Put yourself, put yourself into some sleep rehab. That's right. Yes. Okay. Well, just very quickly to kind of summarize those top three tips before we say goodbye to you and I carry on. So it's make sure that uh, the room is not too hot, dark enough. Yeah. yeah. Turn, turn that alarm clock. And what else? What else did I miss? Uh, we want to turn that alarm clock. Uh, we want to incorporate perhaps some mindful activities. I think right. I think now more than ever, especially with what we're going through, I think if you can try and get back into a routine, so have having more of a consistent bedtime, consistent uh, wait time, and this is for all ages of your family, um, try and really protect your sleep space for just sleep. And I know that's hard right now for some because we're in our homes. So our bedroom is becoming our home office. It's becoming our kids' play center. It's becoming you know everything else yep. but sleep. If you can really Really try and protect all bedrooms just for sleep. Try to um, and get that tech out. That's going to help with those stress levels. Um, we don't need to be reading all the news, everything right before we go to bed. Um, yeah. So give yourself those boundaries. Um, the best way to do that is just by removing the tech altogether. Yeah. Fabulous. Thank you so much, Alana. And I'll put some more information so that you can reach out to Alana if you have any more specific questions for her or even want to check out her podcast yourself. I'll put all that in the show notes on leannephillipson.com. Thanks so much, Alana. Thanks for having me. Somewhere between her jeans collection and her sock drawer, this is Eat This with Leanne. Wow. Thank you so much, Alana, for all of your insight and wisdom. I hope listeners, you found that really helpful. But let's bring it back to the eat this aspect and talk about sleep and food. So first off, did you know that dairy can cause insomnia? I did know that. Chris, did you know that? I did know that. He's learning. Of all the things I don't know, which is a long list, (laughs) uh, somehow that one stuck. I did know that. So I try right. to stay away so? from a tub of ice cream before bed. <laughs> um, I don't know if anybody else has this problem, but years and years ago, a friend of mine in, in England, she used to say that she had cheese dreams. Have you ever had this? And that wasn't like a melt cheese onto a cracker kind of say, cheese yeah, dream. Yeah, wait, wait, wait. Like cheese is in her dream. She has yeah. cheese she as would, if part she, of her dreams. No, when she eats cheese before bed or in the evening or because she spends a lot of time in France, darling, mm. she would have that as dessert. And she said every time she did that, her dreams were crazy town. And 
in our interview, Alana talked about our crazy town dreams right now. So she didn't mention cheese, but I sometimes see the same kind of thing. So if cheese, uh, sorry, well, cheese and dairy could be a bit of an issue, why don't you just try and cut it out for about a week and see if that helps? Nothing that I ever recommend trying is forever. So know that you can go back to it. But if you don't take it out in the first place, you're not going to know if that's a problem. And then when you put it back in again, then you might see, you know, you're going to see something. You're going to have some sort of feedback. Okay, you're not going to like this one again. And I always preface this before I talk about the booze. Alcohol is a stimulant. So you might fall asleep when you've had a drink or two, but it doesn't actually lead to a long and sound sleep. And because we're talking about this, um, we're doing this recording on Zoom. You can't see Chris's face, but if you could, he's giving me that, <laughs> oh, really, again, Leanne, look. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm there uh-huh. for you. I'm there All for right, you guys. Uh, next up, you're not going to like this one either, caffeine. Do I need to talk about that, really? Like, for some people, they can have a cup of coffee and they can go to bed and it does not affect them. And for others... If you have a coffee afternoon, you know, 12 noon at lunchtime, that's it. You're pooched. If it's after three, forget it. You're up for absolutely hours. But also know that there's caffeine in chocolate. And if you think that you can get away with a decaf after dinner, some people are just too sensitive. So really try and get that out. And this is all troubleshooting. So you have to go through this list. Try and avoid exercise before bed because it produces lots of endorphins. But I do want you to exercise. We talked about that last week on the uh, quarantine 15, just to get out there and avoid that, that, that extra 15 pounds. But so exercise at some point during the day, but maybe move it more to the, to the morning because those endorphins that you do get after your exercise, that's a nice lift in your mood that can just carry you throughout the day. As for the foods to eat before you go to bed, now that I've told you what not to do, why don't you try some oatmeal before bed? Because it's a good source of magnesium and helps to keep you full overnight. Just in case you think that when you wake up, you might be a little bit hungry and you've got some issues with your blood sugar balance, which means you feel like you're on an energy roller coaster all day long. I've definitely seen seen that it can help some people, but not everyone. Yes, you can try melatonin, but it does not work for everyone. Some of the foods that you that will give you melatonin as well are things like tart cherries, asparagus, corn, tomatoes, pomegranates, even olives, grapes, broccoli, and some cucumber. Grains, they're all really good, just like I said with the oatmeal. And also nuts and seeds. So walnuts, peanuts, sunflower seeds, and flax seeds. So those are the kind of snacks that maybe you want to be having a little bit more, a little bit more at night to help with this cascade of hormones, including melatonin, which helps you to get to sleep. Now, a word of warning about your supplements. Do not take your vitamins like C and B12 and actually all the B vitamins before bed and no to superfoods like when I talk about Kid Boost, for instance, my uh, Take This by Leanne superfood powder. Don't take those before bed because they're all stimulating. They all give you energy. So your Bs and your Cs, take them all in the morning and your superfood powder, take your Kid Boost um, in the morning. Really interesting. I've had so many people who, I think I put out a blog post or something like that a while ago, and I paired the Kid Boost and the Magnesium Bisglycinate, which is one of the supplements uh, 
uh, I have on spreadright.com. And I see those orders coming in regularly, regularly, regularly from a group of people that started. And some of the feedback that I've had from those people who keep on ordering them is it was a game changer for them. And when they had just tried magnesium before, for whatever reason, when they added in the kid boost, it just gave them the best night sleep. So they're not going to stop anytime soon. <laughs> so I do have some other specifics that I want you to maybe try, but rather than going down a whole list of different foods, I'm going to share those on leannephillipson.com in the show notes so that you know the magnesium rich foods, so that you know that the B6 rich foods, so that you know and understand about uh, a neurotransmitter called tryptophan. You know, you can think of while you fall asleep after Christmas dinner or after turkey dinner, and you've heard that word before, I'm going to put a little bit more information there for you. To sum it all up, sleep is a non-negotiable necessity that needs your attention right alongside your diet. And if you need more help, you know that you can reach out on social media, you can send me a direct message, or hit the contact button on leannephillipson.com. You know, why don't you pass on this episode or any of the previous ones actually onto friends and family members, whether you know their sleep habits or not, or you know what's going on with them because we all need these tips. So you passing this on could help in so many ways and you may not even know it. Thank you, Alana, for joining me on this episode. You can check her out on Goodnight Sleep Site. That's S-I-T-E dot C-A. She's got her own podcast called This Girl Loves Sleep. And she's got her book, This Baby Loves Sleep, as well. So thank you, Chris, for all the giggles that we have. And thank you, my loyal listener, for always tuning in, for being willing to change your habits and do things differently. And of course, to eat this one mouthful at a time. <laughs>